I saw the songs we were singing. Brother Paul and I have not talked. But <laughs> we sang a lot about the name of Jesus. We're going to look a little bit about the names that God calls his son. And the first is the name Jesus. Jesus, as we know, is the Latin form of the name of Joshua or Yeshua, which is what Jesus was called. And it's being translated means Jehovah saves. And Jesus is our sacrifice. He is our mediator. And without his blood, there is no remission of our sins. And we understand that he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And we understand who Jesus is as a New Testament believer. I, I assume that those of you under the sound of my voice have heard the name of Jesus. I asked yesterday to a gym full of people, is there anyone here that has not heard the name of Jesus? And there wasn't a hand among them. If I ask that question among the Turkanans, they often think it's somebody that I've brought with me. So his name has not been named to the regions of the world, and that's the reason that I still am working in Turkana. But as Americans, especially you here in Hamburg, I have to believe that y'all have probably heard 
the name Jesus. It's his earthly name. It's his human name. It's what God told Mary to name your son. Name my son. You will call his name Jesus. He's also called the Christ. The Christ is the anointed one. He's the heavenly one, the holy one. It's his heavenly name. He, it's his holy name. It's, he is Jesus the Christ. He is the promised Messiah to Israel. And we often stop there. We know Jesus our Savior. We know Jesus the Christ, the promised one, the holy one of God, the one that will sit and one day be the Messiah to the, the nation of Israel. We understand that. But where we as Baptists get things messed up, where folks that embrace the doctrine of easy believism, where they miss the boat, is they forget that he has a heavenly name. He's not just Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. And I'm not a Navy man. My mama was a Marine, but I have never been in the service. And I'm not a Navy man, but it's my understanding that when you have a fleet of ships, that that very first ship is called the flagship. And it's the one that has the, the, the banners and the flags. And it's the, the ship of identification. And all of the ships that follow that lead ship follow in identifying. If we understand the lordship of Jesus Christ and make that the flagship of our life, and we recognize that he truly is Lord of all, it will take away, it will take care of, and all of the other ships in our life will follow in obedience. Those ships of fellowship, church membership, discipleship, stewardship, and even our worship will fall in line when we follow the banner of Jesus Christ being Lord of all. It fixes lagging attendance, half-hearted worship. It will improve our, our, our lack of service, our bad attitudes, our need of repentance. It will help us to forgive those that have wronged us. The Lordship of Jesus is where we miss it. And what I mean by that is simply this. The Lordship of Jesus, it determines our relationship with God. Why did Jesus die? Okay, when I ask a question, Turkonans just jump back back in. Y'all were like at a calf in a new gate. You don't know if you're supposed to talk to me or not. I like people to talk back. And if I don't agree with your answer, I'll thank you, but tell you you're wrong in this, you know. It was not that way. But why did Jesus die? The common answer, Jesus died to save us. And that is the common answer. But it's not the complete answer. If you look in Romans chapter 14 and verse 9, the Bible says, For to this end Christ both died, rose, and revived, that he might be Lord, <laughs> both to the dead and the living. See, the word Savior, I've got it written down somewhere, is only mentioned 24 times in the New Testament. But the word Lord is mentioned 433 times. We get the idea that somehow we can recognize him as Savior, but not recognize him as Lord. And that is not my understanding of Scripture. Because the Bible says we must both recognize him as Lord and Savior. Because Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, 
that it's with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We must confess that Jesus is Lord. And we, we come to him like good Baptists, like we go to a buffet, and we want a big helping of his saviorhood. We know we need help. We know that Jesus died in our stead. And we know that his blood is what washes us clean from our sins and makes us acceptable. And we're born again. And God deems us righteous because he sees the work that his son has done in our life. And we, now, we pile on like good hungry Baptists, the, Lord, the, the, the saviorhood of Jesus. But we often are like, you know what, I, I don't want any of that lordship. But he isn't Lord or Savior. He is Lord and Savior. He is Savior because he is Lord. He can cleanse us as Savior if he can claim us as Lord. And if we do not allow Jesus to have a lordship in our life, if there's never been a time in your life, I don't care what prayer you prayed, if there has never been a time in your life where you have cried out and bowed a knee in surrender and say, Jesus, I want you as the Lord of my life, you do not have biblical salvation. Now, I know that's a little weird for some folks because some of y'all have got into a baptismal tank because you came down on a vacation Bible school and your friend grabbed you by the arm and the preacher said, repeat these words, and you think you're going to meet Jesus with that. That is not biblical salvation. We need to understand God has already crowned Jesus Lord of all. In Acts 2.36, the Bible says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. God has already crowned him Lord. He has already been made Lord. He is the Lord. He is the Lord of all creation. That's the reason Jesus did not put his signature on the corner of the sunrise. It's because he owns it. Jesus doesn't have to put the laundry mark on the lapel of the meadow because he owns it. Neither does he have to carve his initials on the side of the mountain because he owns it. Neither does he brand the cattle on a thousand hills because he owns it. Neither does he copyright the songs he put for the birds to sing because he owns it. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. The question only remains, is he your Lord? Yes, he is Lord of creation, and he's Lord of nature, and time, and eternity, over death, and humanity, and demons, and yesterdays, and todays, and all of tomorrows. But is he your Lord? And some of you this morning are like, Eddie, I ain't never heard it preached that way. Well, I apologize for the sorry preaching you've heard up until this point. <laughs> no offense to your present pastor. But we cannot have our name written in the Lamb's book of life without recognizing Jesus in his entirety. He is Jesus Christ, Lord of all. And on April 30th, 1991, I was a 17-year-old boy raised in an atheist home. And when my preacher, who come knocking the door of my house, 
asked me if I was to die, did I know for sure I'd go to heaven? I told him I did not, and he presented me with a plan of salvation. I thank God he did not present me with an easy believism. And I struggled with the idea of surrender. I was a good kid, headed off to college. I didn't want God to mess that plan up. And I struggled. Man, if I could just come and get some saviorhood, I would have taken it. But I understood and it was explained to me if I was going to be born again, I had to bow a knee and surrender and ask Jesus to be Lord of my life. And many of you under the sound of my voice have done that. And then our struggle is keeping him there. Man, I can remember a lot of waters passed under the bridge since I was 17 years old. Your pastor asked me last night how old I was. I said, I'm 46. He looked at me. He's like, man, I got that one wrong. I said, why? Did you uh, look younger? He's like, no, sir. <laughs> it's not the, the year of the car that wears it out. It's the miles, and African miles are hard. A lot of water's passed under the bridge since I was 17. And slowly by slowly, I begin to fret and worry. I call myself coming and sitting up in Jesus' lap and having a talk, but then I get to swigging around and moving, and slowly by slowly, kidogo kidogo in Swahili, I began to move him off of the throne of my life because I want to be the one in control. Now, y'all may not have this problem, but in 2009, we had a, one of the guys that I work with in Turkana felt like God was calling him into South Sudan to work as a missionary. It was Sudan then, and they hadn't succeeded from, uh, the South Sudan had not succeeded from Sudan, so it was Sudan then. And Ernie Hopper, who's been in Kenya 10 years longer than I, we, we crossed over into Kapoweta, into Sudan, it's South Sudan now. And we took John Wayoni and his wife, and we moved him over there, and we were there two days in the Sudanese People's Liberation Army, the SPLA, they closed the roads. And when they weren't allowing people to even walk. And so when they coming in and notifying everybody, when they saw Hopper and I, because despite our best efforts, we don't blend among African people for some reason. Y'all will catch that in a minute. Am I not allowed to make black jokes from a pulpit? I live in Africa. If there's anybody got that right, I do. And I take it, even if it's wrong, so y'all can laugh. So we're there, and they see Hopper and I, and they decide that they're going to move us to their camp. We weren't, we hadn't done anything wrong, but they didn't want us to stay where we were staying, so they moved us, and they detained us for 10 days. Well, I've got the faith that God's going to take us out of here. I mean, we're missionaries in Kenya. <laughs> God's got this, and that sounds like a good amen, and y'all are a little weak on this, but that's all right. I'll, I'll, by the time Wednesday gets here, y'all will, will be with me, but I decided I need to help God, and so I called my friends in uh, Missionary Aviation Fellowship, MAF, and they fly me in and out of the desert all the time, so I called them like, hey guys, can y'all land a plane here in Kapoweta? There's a landing strip. I'll jump on the plane and go back to Kenya. You're like, yeah, Eddie will come. I said, no problem. So then they called me the next day and like, Eddie, we, we've 
contacted the consulate in Juba, and if we land a plane in Capoeta, the soldiers are going to seize it, we'll lose our plane, our pilots will be arrested, we're not coming. I'm like, okay, Lord, if I can't leave by air, I called some buddies of mine that's in Turkana, which is just across the border, and I'm like, I don't care what it costs. If y'all sneak across the border and come get me, I will jump in whatever you arrive in Capoeira with, and we will head back to Turkana. And despite my best efforts, none of them was willing to come. Something about threat of arrest and being shot, I don't know. And so I am a man most miserable. I have tried to help God. I know God's going to get us out. But I am a man most miserable because I have tried to help God. And sometimes I forget that if he is Lord of all, he doesn't need my help. And the, con the, the reverse of that is Ernie Hopper. Ernie Hopper is like a fat kid in a candy store. Because, man, if we are there in this camp, I am in my room, miserable, crying out to God, deliver us, trying to make phone calls, reaching out to America, trying to... Nobody, I'm trying to help Jesus, and he don't need my help. And Ernie is going from soldier to soldier to soldier, leading them to Jesus, sharing the gospel. He's having the time of his life. And I'm like, would you just shut up and pray? <laughs> that is the difference of being, allowing Jesus to be Lord of all. And where we get into trouble sometimes is, yeah, we're saved, and yeah, I remember but life has happened since then. And as we begin to take control back of our life, no wonder we need revival. Yeah, we're saved, but we're no longer totally surrendered into God. Yeah, I remember when, but that was a long time ago. A lot of life has happened from that point where Jesus was named Lord of all to where we are today. There's distance, and Jesus now longer, no longer has complete control, complete liberty in our lives. We section off, and we say, Lord, you can do this there, but this other part, it's mine. It affects our Bible study, our prayer life. Our sin account, is it short or is it long? Are we faithful to our church? Are we loyal to our brothers and sisters? Husbands and wives, are you honoring your marriage covenant? Children, are you obeying your parents and honoring your parents? Parents, are you not provoking your children to wrath? God desires your time, your talents, and your treasures. I'm going to go ahead and just stop here for just a minute because it's fun to. Because I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't care if you tithe or not. That's... But Jesus said, where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. You want to know if Jesus is Lord of all? Look in your checkbook. I mean, if you need some help, come and ask me and I'll be able to tell you. But where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. And Jesus was told us he didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. He elevated the law. And the Bible says that the law teaches us that thou shalt not kill, but Jesus said if you hate a brother, you've sinned already. Thou shalt not commit adultery, but if you have a look that turns into lust, you've sinned already. <laughs> well, under the law, a Jew is required to give 10% unto God. Many under the sound of my voice this morning can't outgive a Jew under the law. 
Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. My church is doing something weird because they say I'm getting old. And I don't have a retirement, so I just left Dangerfield. I left them coming up this way, and now I'm the proud owner of a Roth IRA account. I have no idea what it means. The church is doing it, and I didn't care. I just had to sign a paper. And I remember sitting down with a financial guy, and he asked me, Eddie, what's your value? Like, I, I don't understand your question. He said, if you had to put a dollar amount on your estate, what would it be? I'm like, dude, are you talking about what do I own in earth or what do I own in heaven? Because those are two different accounts. He's like, well, I can't help you with anything on the eternal. I'm like, well, that's kind of where all my stuff is. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot here on this earth, and I don't understand why we as Baptists dig our tent peg so deeply here like somehow this is it. I assure you folks, this is not it. <laughs> but not only... Do we need to recognize Jesus the Christ, Lord of all in our salvation? It is our daily struggles as Christians and brothers and sisters in Christ in keeping him Lord of all of our life. And one day, Lord of all <laughs> will be our eternal anthem. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, wherefore, God also had highly exalted him and giving him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confess means to pro publicly proclaim. What I see here are two groups of people. Those where we are right now, we're still on this earth, and we still have the decision, we still have the choice to name him Lord of all. And if we choose him as our Savior and crown him as our Lord, this will just be a continuation of the song we learn to sing here, Jesus Christ, you are Lord of all. But the Bible says on that day, you have a choice today to be saved. You have a choice today to allow the Holy Spirit of God to help you to surrender and submit and to bow a knee and to once again allow Jesus to be Lord of all. We have that choice. But on that day, there won't be a choice. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So we either can be among those where this is a continuation of the song we've learned to sing now, or we can be a part of those who are forced to bow and forced to confess and forced to acknowledge Jesus. The choice is yours. And on that day, Jesus will see those who he is having to force to bow, and he will look at them after that confession and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I've never known you. And they will go and burn. So that is your question. It's the same choice that Nebuchadnezzar gave those Hebrew boys. Are you going to bow? Are you going to burn? The difference is God wants us to bow in obedience to his son, Jesus the Christ, Lord of all. In history, 
It has been said that the sword among the military world is a symbol of authority, a symbol of power. And if an officer that is carrying a sword has dishonored himself, dishonored his position, dishonors his uniform, his sword is taken and it's broken. If that's another officer, a general, is being conquered by an enemy, his sword will be offered and surrender. Well, Lord Nelson was an admiral of the British Army. When he had uh, the British Navy, when he had a notable victory over the French, he invited the French admiral to come and to accept his terms of surrender on his vessel. And as that French admiral boarded the vessel, he came straight up to Admiral Nelson and offered him a handshake. And Admiral Nelson looked at him and he said, Sir, first, your sword. God wants first for you to surrender and allow Jesus to be Lord of all. If revival is going to happen at Promised Land Baptist Church, regardless of how well or how poorly I've preached this message, we have to get to a place where we realize it's time we crown Jesus again. It's time where we, if we are not saved, where we deal with that today and we ask Jesus to be in our life as our Savior and we bow a knee in submission asking him to be Lord of all. And for those of us who are saved, it's time we say, Lord, I've taken some parts of my life back. And I want to give those to you again. I want the Holy Spirit to have freedom to move me and mold me and help me to be a vessel that will bring glory and honor to God.